I think you know what time it is. Yes, it's that time when all the savvy podcasters group up and form Napod Pomo. Do you have your story ready? I'm ready. Let's get into this. Napod Pomo, let's go. This is day two of the Napod Pomo Challenge. Let's go. Our podcast news story comes from podnews.net, written by Eric Newsom. The original article, written January 20th, 2021, and updated September 19th, 2022. The story of the first podcast feed. I think it's fitting that we talk a little bit about how podcast feeds came about. So let's get into the story. Whenever people argue about the first podcast, the conversation usually settles on Chris Lydon's recording of the first open source episode on July 9th, 2003. And there is no doubt that Lydon's interview recording was the first original production made specifically for podcasting. But that open source episode wasn't the first podcast. The first podcast occurred 900 days earlier on January 20th, 2001. Before we talk about that first podcast feed, let's review the poorly documented history of podcasting often revised by those who wish to include themselves or exclude others. I am not one of those people. So here is my actually researched and reported take. Podcasting came into reality in a New York City hotel room in October of 2000. No one can remember which hotel it was, though Dave Weiner recalls it was a fancy rock star type hotel. He remembers that because he was meeting with Adam Curry, a former VJ from MTV, who Dave said was something of a rock star himself. Adam was visiting from Belgium, where he was living at the time, and wanted to meet up with Dave to share an idea he'd had. In a blog post, Dave Weiner dated October 31st, recalls that meeting, and I will share this link in the show notes also. We're going to break in and read a little bit of this article because I do think this is very interesting, and then we'll continue with the other article. Tuesday, October 31st, 2000 by Dave Weiner. Good morning. I'm back from my trip to the east coast of the U.S., There was a scripting news dinner in New York on Wednesday night at Cat's Deli. Great food. Total geek out. On Thursday, I went to the World Series. On Friday, on to Miami. And yesterday, back home to the Bay Area. In New York, I spent the better part of two days brainstorming with Adam Curry former MTV video jock, internet advertising entrepreneur, 
and now a man obsessed with a vision that I'm beginning to understand. In this brief warm-up piece, I don't hope to capture the whole thing, but I want to talk about part of it. Virtual Bandwidth Adam wants the Internet to be every man's broadcast medium, to route around TV and radio broadcast networks with no compromise in quality. Now, if this were easy, or the solution obvious, we'd already be doing it. But there's a big sticky problem in the way. The pipes don't seem to be big enough. Believe me, I know about that. I have a relatively slow DSL connection. If I download a multi-megabyte QuickTimes movie, it can take five minutes for less than a minute's worth of video. So it's hardly ever worth it to me to click on a video link. That's because the last mile between my desktop and the high-speed internet backbone is so slow. But what if we put another computer in the middle? One that's sitting next to my machine on my desktop. Adam calls the distance between my PC and the middle computer the last yard. If I had such a computer Running something like a mail server, I could simply order the network to deliver the video to me when I'm not using my line, and it could take its sweet time while I'm doing other things like meetings and walking, eating, sleeping. The important point is this. While the last mile is very slow, that last yard is very, very fast, and that's the secret idea. An example, if you've been using Napster with a relatively slow line, as I have, think how nice it would be if you could check off a set of 20 songs and know that they'd be there on your hard drive in five hours while you run errands. No buttons to push, nothing to set around waiting for. The last yard computer does the nursing for the line while you can have fun and have a life. If you multiply the number of bits per second times the number of seconds you're not using the line, you can get a lot of bits down the pipe. And that, both Adam and I believe, is the secret to turning the internet into a super satisfying broadband experience. A little software, some new protocols, maybe not very new, and we're there. Adam has written more about this idea on his website. That link has been taken down. Dave Weiner. P.S. Congrats to Napster and Bertelsmann on their deal. Looks like there will be peace in Musicland on the internet. Now maybe we can create the technology to make it fun, interesting, creative, without fear of ending up in court. I find that very interesting article, and you can see the comparison in the idea of the download, similar to what Napster was. And if you remember what Napster is, it's a music downloading site, big, big 
ordeal around copyright infringement and all of that. Might I digress? So, on with the article. Dave Weiner had been an early pioneer in blogging, have created RSS, short for Really Simple Syndication, the technology that drove a lot of blog infrastructure and distribution technology. Dave basically invented blogging as we know it by creating the systems that made it possible. Dave Weiner has actually been a pioneer in a lot of things. He doesn't like thinking of himself as a software developer, which feels like an oversimplification for him. He refers to himself as a media hacker. He has spent a lot of his career thinking up new media types, then building software to make that new media type possible. Early in his career, he developed scripting environments, online publishing tools, outline processor markup language, OPML, and a lot of other things that most people wouldn't understand, but were essential in making modern digital syndication possible. But more important than any specific technological advancement, Dave Weiner thought differently about how to use the web to deliver information. Dave believed in making systems open, democratic, and easily accessible, going against the prevailing tide to make materials on the internet as proprietary, controlled, and commercialized as possible. Weiner made subscribing to content on the internet possible so that users could receive information from sites they wanted to follow as a feed of up-to-date information. Even though Adam Curry is probably best known for his seven years as a VJ for MTV, he has had a lot of facets to his career since then mostly as an early advocate and entrepreneur for internet-related businesses. In 2000, he was a big fan of Dave Weiner's work on RSS. Adam wanted to pitch Dave the idea of using blogging technology to distribute digital audio files. Adam had even rewritten some of Dave's RSS code to support the idea of distributing audio instead of text, audio blogging. When they met in Adam's hotel room, Adam made his passionate case for the idea and its potential to really leverage the internet to revolutionize radio, audio, or any form of shared sound. Adam was gesticulating and trying very hard to explain. Dave listened and didn't get it. Shortly before that meeting, Adam had published a thought piece called The Last Mile. I've tried for years to find that piece, and no one, even Adam, seems to have a copy. Though lots of people remember reading it, it argued that always-on cable modems in the home, not quite robust enough to be called broadband, but a huge step forward from dial-in modems, using telephone lines, offered an opportunity to rethink how to distribute audio files, which were monstrously huge compared to text or even pictures. 
at that time, there was a click weight problem with audio and video media on the internet. You would click to listen, then wait, often for a long time. The choke point was the last link in the chain, the internet connection to the user's home, aka the last mile. But Adam suggested that the always-on cable modem wasn't being utilized all the time. At night, for example, it just sat there largely unused. What if you could find a way to use the downtime to go grab larger files so they would be ready to listen to when you woke up in the morning? In Adam's mind, RSS was the perfect method to do this. All it needed was some changes to the code to allow for audio files to replace text files. While Dave Weiner didn't really understand what Adam was talking about, or why anyone would want to do this, he decided to give it a try. In January 2001, Dave had finished the code changes to RSS to allow the audio enclosures, as Adam had outlined to him. To test it out, he created the first podcast feed. The feed launched on January 20th, 2001, Inauguration Day when George W. Bush became President of the United States. The feed contained one item, the Grateful Dead song, U.S. Blues. Dave eventually added a few other Grateful Dead songs to the feed over time. That's it. Podcasting's version of Alexander Graham Bell's first telephone transmission, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. So what did the world think of this podcast feed? Did others begin to weep with appreciation? Did a collective slow clap break out among early-to-be audio blogging enthusiasts? Nope. Hardly anyone listened to Dave's first feed. And those that did listen didn't get it. Much like Adam and Dave's conversation in the hotel room, the wider world didn't really understand why you'd want to move audio files around via RSS nor what its potential could be. Dave thought of audio blogging as an interesting experiment and pretty much moved on. The whole idea of that was to try to bootstrap the technology that other people would support the technology and that even other people would do podcast, said Dave, but I couldn't see any evidence of that actually happening. Though some other people messed around with it, like Dave had with the Grateful Dead tunes, not a lot happened with RSS audio enclosures until Dave arrived for a fellowship at the Harvard in 2003. That's when he met Chris Leiden and talked him into recording that first episode of Open Source. And I really do mean talking him into recording. Chris, by his own admission, didn't get it either, but figured it might be fun and gave it a try. He is still producing open source today. What happened after that is for another day, but 
if anyone tells you an origin story other than what you read above, send them my way. And that was written by Eric Newsom. Very good article, and it makes you really go back and really understand the trip and the journey that RSS has taken all the way up today. And now we're looking at RSS 2.0, and the same two people are out there on the front line rewriting the code, putting in more tagging closures to help support you and your podcast RSS feed. Because remember, that feed will always be your feed and nobody else can take it from you. You can publish it wherever you feel free to publish it. Gotta say thank you both to Dave Weiner and Adam Curry for this great invention that we're all enjoying right now during NAPOD POMO. So that's our podcast story. Thank you. And now we're going to move over to podchaser.com and have us a look at a podcaster. The podcaster today is David Campbell out of Canada. He is the host, producer, and editor of Living the Next Chapter. Also, Dad Space, the Added to My Playlist podcast, and the one I like is the How To Podcast series. David has an episode count of 262 episodes. He is the host of six podcasts. He hosts the How To Podcast series. Revolving podcast co-host, shorter episodes, and a community for you. This is an awesome podcast, and I really enjoy the content. I went over to Podchaser, and I have added my review as a five-star review for David. This podcast is hosted on Anchor. It's created by How To Podcast Series. The podcast is active. It started April 18th of 2022. Its latest episode, October 26th, 2022. He releases weekly on this, and he has an episode count of 32. The average length of an episode is 17 minutes. I like what David Campbell is doing, and I hope he continues to create these outstanding podcasts for us. I will share the link in the show notes for David and his podcast. Now, moving on to our upcoming episode. This episode, we are going to be speaking with Tom Basie from Basie Insurance. His episode will air December 14th of 2022, or I should say his first episode. I have spoken with Tom three times. I have three episodes coming up with Tom, 
and he covers things about Medicare and Medigap, all of these insurance things. As you retire, you really need to know these things. Tom is an upfront, honest person, and he really cares about getting you hooked up with the right deal for your situation. So let's listen in to the interview here, just a clip that I chose to share with Napod Pomo about Tom Basie. Another big issue that a lot of people talk about is when they go to the doctor and they are very budget oriented. Mm-hmm. Many senior citizens and people of disability are. They mm-hmm. want to know up front what is my cost going to be for these mm-hmm. procedures? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them have the procedure done and then here, there's a mm-hmm. bill that they're expecting not to be there. How can you avoid that and know what your cost is up front when you go to that doctor? Uh, you know, you I think avoid is a great word. I don't know if you can always know 100%, but both versions kind of give you methodologist to know that. For example, on the Medigap side, there's a list of Medicare. This is what we pay in the end where these are deductibles. And then there's a list from the Medigap policy that shows we cover those. So often for many times, it's going to be easier. Like for example, when I, when the numbers I was throwing out there, I was really talking about the G plan. There really is an alphabet suit, but G plan is the most thorough Medigap policy you can get. Basically there's a chart that shows how a G plan is designed to cover the co-pays and the thing and the deductibles that Medicare doesn't cover except for a part B $230 uh, deductible. And so you don't know exactly what it is, but it's, it's very close. But I'm not, but so that's one way on that. So the Medigap side, the way you know is because there's very little, it's mostly covered. On the Advantage side, even though there will be co-pays, actually they're supposed to give you what they call an exclamation, uh, an EOB, an exclamation, uh, explanation of benefits or an explanation of coverage. And so you can look and see, so you can see how much a outpatient surgery or how much a colonoscopy they've literally got a book of stuff so you can kind of see that you never know for sure i'm a proponent of checking with the care provider for him but the good news is i don't find that to be that much of a problem these days the carriers and so i'm going to go ahead and throw some of these cures out because they are all good because another another remark i'd make when you're asking about the 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 dental vision so i could enroll you in a a medigap policy from aetna and then i could roll you in a drug plan from united healthcare and then i can enroll you in a a, a Humana dental and vision plan. So my point is you can mix and match those if you want. If you go with the advantage, it's all from one. You pick one of those carriers. But my point is all the major healthcare carriers, they really do have those plans. Now, I guess another point I should, I should here's, here's two things since we're talking about this. Let's pretend it's Ed and he's turned 65. I will ask you for two lists, perhaps. Please give me a list of any medications that you're on and please let me give me a list of doctors that it's important to send for you to see. If on the medication, I'll use that either way. I can, I have tools that I can plug in and I will show you both by retailer, wh- whether you're going to a Walmart or a CVS or your local pharmacy, I can show you a matrix and show you. And if you use Humana or Aetna or uh, United Healthcare, I can show you and you can kind of optimize. So I can show you for your list of medications in your zip code. So that's good. I, so my point is I use the pricing notes because I'm an independent broker. I don't care which carrier you go with. Carriers are captive. Obviously they want you to use their care. So that's what I do. I like to show you that so you can pick maybe based on medications. Sometimes if you've got four medications and all generic, it, that w- there won't be a difference. But if you've got one of the ones that they advertise on TV, those ad dollars are expensive. And there was big budget spent on developing that drug. There can be, uh, uh, there, uh, there was my, my 
poster child for this is a lady who lived one city over from me. She had 23 different medications she was taking. So depending on which carrier she went with, it was going to be $500 a month difference on her medication. So clearly she used that to decide what drug plan she would pick. On the Advantage plan side, I've got a tool that will show me which, like if you give me seven doctors, I tap them all in and it'll sh I can say, show me only Advantage plans that, that, all, that all these doctors take. And then sometimes inevitably, there'll be one doctor, two years that they don't take Medicare and or Advantage plans. Well, I can say, show me all but one doctor, all but two doctors, but it'll actually show me to have checks and minuses by their name. So that's good to know. So my point is, if you're like, you know what, I, I want to pay the zero dollars. I'm going to, I don't, I'll, I feel healthy. I don't think I'm going to go to the hospital service. I want the zero dollar plan and I want all the bells and whistles. Okay, but let's check and make sure that most of your doctors go there and we need to sign a primary care. So going back to talking to some Medicare professional, we can do things like we can do those analysis for you to help you. I call it tailored, tailored solution. So you can pick either the one carrier on the advantage yeah. side or two or three different carriers to optimize, to minimize your drug costs, to that kind of thing. And, and to make sure if there's a dentist you like, if you're doing the standalone dentist plan, we make sure the dental, the dentist is covered as well on either side. I do have some great conversations coming up with Tom and I can't wait for you guys to listen to those great episodes. My thought of the day, we never know when our last breath is. And every day that we wake up, each second that we are conscious, we have to be aware that tomorrow might not happen. And that should make you feel the need and the desire to be the best you that you can be today because you never know if tomorrow will be there for you 